This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. from Alaska. Yeah, what's up? Anyway, I'm Mike McNamara, the host of the program, and um, do a little post-traumatic winning this week from Joint Base Elmendorf up here in Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska to be exact. So, uh, Grant Newsham is going to join me today, and the Mensa Brothers is going to make a special appearance on Tuesday to talk about General Newbold and General Sullivan and why they should be examples to everybody. So, without further ado, I want to thank Grant for flexing his schedule for me and uh, recording this Saturday evening. So, without further ado, the one and only Grant Newsham. Grant Newsham joins me this morning. Uh, Grant, um, first of all, how are you? How are things... uh, in Taiwan, how are things in Taipei? Oh, fine. I would say less stressed than if I was living in Kiev, the, the capital of Ukraine, but, uh, or in Philly, for that matter. <laughs> but uh, so pretty good. I well, let me ask you. I mean, you're seeing more and more written that um, China is watching the West's response to Vladimir Putin with an eye on Taiwan. I, I, I saw two articles written written about with with either that headline or something very similar to that is there much being written uh right now in taiwan about all of this uh, i haven't noticed it okay. um but it, it is you know the people who watch this stuff are watching it um you know i was uh, interviewed on just the other night on it's called channel news asia which is you know very well watched news show out of singapore and they were going to talk about the Quad meeting held in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, but they, the first thing they asked me was about Ukraine. And they asked what I thought was going to happen. So I, of course, told them that, uh, I don't know. It, uh, you know. If I did, I'd be rich. You know, I think I said I'd heard um, at least five good scenarios of what might happen. But that you can bet that China was watching and taking notes. And, and I also was able to get in the line when they asked me, well, what's China's reaction going to be to the, the quad meeting? I was able to get in the line while uh, <clears throat> the Chinese will complain, they always do, because they have, quote, an anger management problem, unquote. And I keep getting invited back to this show. <laughs> and this has been like seven years now, even though every time I end, I come off like Al Sharpton. <laughs> Um, but they they don't seem to mind, or else nobody's listening. But uh, so, but it's you know, well, I don't know. I mean, you're you've been in the Wall Street Journal, so your credentials are are being constantly augmented. Yeah, but um, anyway, but they so. But the the point of all of that is that the people who in you know who follow these things, they're all watching uh, what happens in Ukraine. And particularly the extent to which the Americans and the the Europeans let themselves get kicked around or played by uh, the, the Russians, and, and what you know. But now we wait and see what actually happens, and then uh, what happens after that. You know, what's the response to it? So pe- people are watching, but like most people, you know, they go around and you know live their daily lives, and that's you know pretty much the place everywhere. 
the um of the situation so let me i mean just so everybody knows uh, because of my travel stuff uh we're recording this on saturday uh president biden had a telephone call today with vladimir putin uh, the headlines initially coming out are saying that uh, President Biden uh, told Mr. Putin that there would be swift and severe consequences if he uh, if he moves on the uh, uh, on Ukraine, and um, I don't know that um, that caused great consternation by. Vladimir Putin, but the headline, you know, I'll read you a few headlines. This is a Reuters headline. Biden tells Putin Ukraine invasion would bring decisive response. So uh, we got that going for us. Uh, let's see. who are the New York Times, in phone call, Biden warns Putin of severe costs of invading Ukraine. That's New York Times headline. Um, let's see. Another New York Times headline. What is CNN reporting? CNN headline, Biden warns Putin U.S. will react decisively and impose swift and severe costs if Russia invades Ukraine. Um, so the same same general theme of that. So huh. is, has anything broken squelch for you? And then, but you know, to me, um, you know, you've had Germany supporting NATO um, and the Western position on this. You had Emmanuel Macron go to uh, meet with Vladimir Putin, and Putin made, made him sit across this long table, <laughs> which I, I found I found rather humorous. Oh my goodness, that because, was good. Yeah, that's worth looking up on the internet. Because <laughs> you because haven't seen it. Emmanuel Macron is trying so hard to be relevant. He's trying really hard to be relevant, and it's not working so well. Um, he gets used for cameos and messages that Vlad, that people like Vladimir Putin want to deliver when Macron does this because he doesn't really have any, he doesn't have a substantial bargaining position, but he tries really hard. Um, so is there anything that has broken squelch for you since we last talked about this thing? I, as I said, for me, you know, the West seems to be united and they seem to be talking the same, you know, Boris Johnson had an editorial or an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal saying that uh, Great Britain uh, and the United Kingdom stood with its allies in Central Europe, which I thought was kind of interesting. It kind of omitted like Western Europe from that. And I thought, I thought there was a little shot across their bow. Um, so what say ye, Grant? Anything uh, break squelch for you or more of the same and watching? The one thing probably that got my attention was, um, I think KLM, I'm told, has canceled flights to from Kiev, uh, Ukraine's capital. I think that happened just recently. And that kind of gets your attention, I think, when when a commercial carrier airline uh, does something like that. You say it gets your attention. Um, but, you know, I, I don't really see anything that gives me much more clarity. You know, if I was to get a cut of that $85 billion intelligence community budget, I'd have more clarity. But, uh, you know, I say I just don't see it, you know, because I seem to hear one thing and then I hear another and I probably change my mind 20 times a day as to what's going to happen. Uh, you know, they, there's just something that, you know, I could see it going either way. And, you know, one thing that did strike, get strike you know, my attention was you saw Secretary of State Blinken was just down in the Pacific, uh, down in Australia the other day, and then went to Fiji. And this while, you know, according to the administration, you know, a war could break out with Ukraine at any moment. Um, one would suggest they perhaps know something which suggests maybe it's not going to break out at any moment, no matter what they say. Because you would think the Secretary of State would want to be close at hand. Uh, they've learned their lesson with Afghanistan, that it's better if he's not at his vacation house in the Hamptons. Uh, but to send him way down to Australia seems a little odd. Uh, you know, there's one could say, well, they're just showing they're not rattled by whatever Putin does. Uh, well, that may be so, but I don't know that Putin will be impressed by them. Uh, so, so those are a couple things which 
you know, say it leaves me, you know, in between. And I would say, well, if you, you know, held a gun to my head and said, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I would say that there's going to be something violent or reasonably shocking happen um, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, but as I've seen good scenarios and assessments of things from all-out invasion uh, to Putin even backing down or, or to just grabbing a little bit of something or trying to topple the Ukrainian government um, but uh, what, or, or just say backing down and having thoroughly frazzled uh, the Westerners. But there's one thing that, that didn't get the much attention, I think, that hasn't, is that a few weeks ago, I think it was, the Americans announced they were not supporting uh, the building of a pipeline from Israel, basically, and then up into Europe that would send natural gas. And eventually, this would have included Egyptian natural gas as well. And what it would have done, it was a uh, sort of this um, gas supply for Europe that could not be interdicted by the Russians or didn't depend on them. It just depended on the Israelis and a bunch of friendly countries to supply Europe with gas. And I think you can see the strategic importance of that uh, because the the Russians having this gas stranglehold over the Europeans is shaping the way the Europeans are acting. Uh, and the, the fact the Americans pulled out of that is really strange, you know, with this administration, they do a lot of strange things. You see, because of the strategic importance that it had in providing an alternative uh, to Russian gas and uh, weakening the Russian ability to uh, extort uh, the, the Europeans. So that's pretty strange. And then you see that the Biden administration has also done its best, not done its best, it has ended American energy independence. You know, for a few years under the Trump administration, America had all the fuel it needed, all the oil and gas. And the Trump administration came in, properly shut the Keystone Pipeline, did its best to uh, hobble the American gas and oil industry, and has announced that it's going to do even more. And now we're dependent once again on foreigners for our fuel. But what you've seen, and so that's not a good thing, of course, but you've also seen the price of oil go up to, what is it, $95 a barrel now? Yes. And it could go up higher. Yeah, and, 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 and most analysts think that they that it will stay there for a while too, in, so, in addition to going up. So what the, the administration has done is it, it might as well have just written a check of for like $75, $80 billion to the Russians and keep writing that check. Because when the price of oil goes beyond a certain level, Russia makes a ton of money. And, you know, I don't know what intelligent or sane people would do something like this. Uh, it, it's, you know, you do one sometimes think that it's, you know, just incompetence, naivete, uh, you know, or sometimes you think that maybe there's something malevolent going on. You know, one wonders if some sort of a deal has been cut with Putin quietly, you know, as happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis with the Russians, and then we found out about it 35 years later. Uh, you know, I'd so, you know, as I say, I don't know. But if I had to guess, I think that something violent or shocking is going to happen. Uh, how much of it, how much will it be, I don't know. Um, you know, it's... Yeah, I, I did. So, but I, I, if it, if nothing happened, you know, I, you know, would be equally surprised. But then I would have to say, well, uh, when I did have to make a decision, I was wrong. Uh, but it, that's you know, just how hard this is to figure out from the the cheap seats. Um, you know, I would note, and this is kind of funny, is that the uh, when this assistant secretary of state, I think, uh, Wendy Sherman. Uh, who got humiliated by the Chinese a few months ago. When she when she spoke with Putin, she warned him that if he wasn't careful, the Russian soldiers would be coming back in body bags. Um, and you know, these are the same people that still take great pride in the sacrifices they made at Stalingrad and Leningrad in World War II. So you can imagine Putin's response was, Yes. Uh, what's your point? Uh, have you heard? Uh, have you read uh, any history about this part of the world? We don't. 
We don't really flinch at that. Not really. And keep in mind, when people say, well, Afghanistan was a problem when the casualties there. But no, Afghanistan was different. Um, one, it was, uh, it's far, farther away from uh, Russia and it's Afghanistan. Um, plus, at the time, the whole Soviet system was coming apart and there wasn't enough food, as you recall. So there was as much resentment over money and food and supplies going to the, the Dushman, to the, the Afghans, and as there was over casualties. But with Ukraine, Russians, many of them see that as fighting for the, uh, the Rodina or whatever the Russians call family, for fighting for something that really belongs to Russia and fighting for fellow Slavs. And it's a very, I think the dynamic's very different there. Uh, but that was something you had to laugh when uh, Team Biden and Mrs. Sherman, the sociologist, thought that this was going to impress Putin, or Mr. Putin. So you can imagine, you know, after um, maybe after Mr. Biden's um, warnings of severe consequences, I don't know that the, what the Russian is for yeah, 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 yeah. And what else have you got? Uh, I don't know. I'm, but so you know, we, we'll see. It's you know, I think I've uh, managed to avoid taking a side either. either yeah, way. it's like if you but want if you to retain help, your belt as an expert, you better pick a side and like. Okay. But as I said, hold a gun to my uh, head, and I think within the next two weeks, there's uh, going to be something that shocks us. Talk about equivocating in hedges. You just like mastered the whole thing. Like you just, it was like Stewart's Rodero McClellan. Like, and it was masterful. Oh, oh, you know, I was actually thinking, you know, and I was hoping to work this in that, but I forgot that if um, I was going to mention it, that uh, if the Russians uh, move on Kiev, it's going to be like Grant took Richmond. You know, it's one oh, of those well, expressions let me tell you, that, that never the, gets used enough these days. The, so Ukra anyone you, under six, the Ukrainians uh, better hope not. I mean, I think not. But yeah, the, uh, Grant so is. You never, if if you're involved in a conflict, you never want to hear Grant coming up in it, unless somebody's, unless you get to be Grant, because yeah, unless it's the G two Grant Newsham who refuses to uh, figure out what predict what's going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that other Grant character. Here, here's yeah, that other Grant character. He he. And you wonder if he was just. I mean, if he was intoxicated a fair amount of time and just said, "Fuck it, just do that." And he says, you know, so now we look at Grant as this grand strategic thinker and operational fighter and, and, and understood it all. Maybe it's much more simple than that. You know, we I tend think, to. No, no, I don't think he was trashed. He, he, he got, a, he got was, over he that was pretty, He was pretty well known for not being afraid of having a drink. Oh, well, that I think is sort of yes and no. I've actually, you know, it, um, I thought he was a rascal for many years. But I think I've read about more about him, and I think he was maybe one of the best strategic thinkers that uh, the U.S. military has produced. Um, Be, but no, you're, well, let me tell you, he certainly understood, right, um, Lee's vulnerabilities, and he got after him in a way that nobody had ever got after him, and and, the, and ended the war relatively quickly. Um, and so, you know, often the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Grant understood that, and he laid the wood to Robert E. Lee, who was who had been afforded the opportunity to bring the war to the north and really, you know, fight on his own terms. And uh, and Grant changed gears a little bit on him, and it's pretty it's pretty amazing um, when you read that. And so, yeah. yeah, we're not getting you confused with him. Just so okay. you know, you're, you know, he's pretty much a straight line guy. You just, again, just embodied Stuart's Roddy Ralph McClellan. <laughs> Anyone over, like, who isn't eligible for social security is going to have to get on the internet to yeah. figure out what we're talking about. Exactly. Stuart's Roddy Ralph <laughs> McClellan is, is a, is a, is a low point in Confederate cavalry operations. Uh, Lee goes to Gettysburg with one shoe off. He has no idea where Stuart is. Stuart is supposed to screen his right flank as he goes up to Shenandoah Valley where some of Grant's family live and um, and he just doesn't get there. He, he tells Lee he's going to go on this raid and then he's going to cut and he's going to kind of cross the Union as they're heading north. But he can't, but the Union gets after it under Meade's leadership and they go to Gettysburg. 
they get after it and they have, for the first time, we could talk about Civil War history, but for the first time in the war, the Union have competent commanders throughout, especially in their key units, other than Dan Sickles and his stupid political <laughs> ass. Everybody else there, you have guys like Winfield, you know, Scott Hancock, you have uh, John Reynolds leading, um, what is it, the 1st Division or the 11th. One of the, it has a couple, I think it's the first. You have John Buford, one of the great oh, cavalrymen yeah. of the Civil Sam War. Sam Elliott, yeah. Right, exactly, who, yeah. who who won't live to see the end of the Civil War. I think Buford yeah. dies before the end of the war. But Buford is, is Buford and Reynolds on, on day one, they are leading the vanguard of the Union Army. And Stuart, every time he tries to cut back to get where he's supposed to be, he bumps into him <laughs> and he can't get there. And so Lee doesn't know where anybody is. And the Battle of Gettysburg ensues. And so I, I, to me, it's my favorite battle to study. So much has been written on it. After the war, um, in the Southern Historical Society papers, the South does this incredible blood <laughs> bloodletting over whose fault it really was. Oh, Long, yeah. Longstreet, Longstreet gets vilified, <laughs> right? You know, Pickett uh -huh. gets... Pickett gets lionized, uh, and then and then the people Pickett, a Virginian, right? Uh, the people from North Carolina who suffered the most casualties in that fight were led by, I think, uh, General Pettigrew. They were incensed by by Pickett's, you know, <laughs> Pickett being the dandy, long-haired fool that he was. Um, but no, I I I, I, I love the decision-making Gettysburg uh, and all the different people that show up there. But really, for the first time in the war. The Union have, you know, A1 people in their key billets. And uh, Stuart is, you know, Stuart, but never never fully rebuked by Lee, who loved him. So. Yeah, it's well, actually, if there's, if, uh, there's some know-it-all listening, there was actually the ride around McClellan actually took place, I think, during or after the, or around the seven days campaign, didn't it? Um, no, so well, there, there oh, was wait, two wait. of these. The, the, there was two yeah, of these actually. Yeah. The ride around the McClellan, different than Meade. Okay, just so everybody knows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this, there was, there is, was, this is a little bit of nuanced Civil War history for right. for you rubes out there. Grant just being in, in Virginia. Case some other, in case some other Social Security recipient <laughs> is listening. That, uh, that uh, yeah, that there was I think two of them. You know, you've described the one where Stuart really effed it up pretty badly. Yeah. The other yeah. one was kind of uh, it worked out. To humiliate the them Yankees. Yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, under McClellan, nobody was going any, anywhere very fast, and so that shit could happen. Um, General Newbold wrote a little bit of an opinion yeah. piece. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see it? I did actually, and I thought it very well done. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's sort of presumptuous of me to. Oh, yes, he did a very good job. No, I thought it was uh, it was excellent. Uh, I. You know, something like this should have been written a long time ago. And by, I would suggest, someone other than a Marine general who retired a long time ago. Well, and again, uh, Greg Newbold, for those of you who don't remember, he um, he resigned his commission as a, as a, as a three-star general officer working as the J-3, which is the operation officer um, in the Pentagon, and uh, uh, as a three-star. And uh, he, he writes an article entitled, it, it appeared in Task and Purpose, but it got all over the place, uh, and entitled, A Retired Three-Star General Explains, quote, Critical Military Theory. And, uh, but but uh, I, I, I take issue with um, one point of General Newbold's mm -hmm. uh, article, and, and I'll tell you, and, and I'd be curious about your thoughts. The first sentence is this, many Americans particularly our most senior politicians and military leaders seem to have de developed a form of dementia when it comes to warfare. Now, I disagree with that. I think the problem is uh, much worse. And I would paint the problem like this. It is dementia. It's willful. They understand it. And they just choose to do something else, which makes it a much worse problem. What say you about my disagreement with general newbull i think you're right um yeah to you know i understand for like you know, i guess from literary terms that using that expression dimensions you know it, it works but you know these are not unintelligent people you know i've never met well with with exceptions you know i i don't think i've rarely met i'm just speaking of marine officers one that i thought was a complete fool 
um, or even, but you know, I've met some, but they're very, very rare. And uh, so these guys know what's going on, but for whatever reason, and I think it has to do with making sure their pensions are intact. Uh, I'm just speculating well, that. Well, that Grant, I, I mean, they, they won't. They won't call say what's happening, and General Newbold did. And one thing about his writing, it's it's very clear. Uh, he he really writes well, right. and which means you think clearly. You know what? And, but Grant, know, should, Grant oh, let me ahead, yeah. let me ask you this: He writes that piece with great restraint too, because mm-hmm. um, I mean, you can only imagine. You know he. General Newbold disagreed with the course of action and going into Iraq, and then he watches the whole thing unfold. Yeah, our incompetence. So, and then he watches it again in Afghanistan. And you know, for a guy like him, I mean, I mean, he takes no pride in being right. But you know, the the thing that he did was he set an example for all of us in terms of telling the truth. You know, everybody stands up there and says they'll speak truth to power. But the question is, will you do so at the detriment of your own career? And that is the test. And you saw that again in 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 the in the in the article in the Washington Post. Uh, one of the authors is Dan Lamoth, uh, where General Sullivan is quoted as saying, "You know, the Biden administration would not let us plan. The only people we could talk to were the British. They didn't want they didn't want us seriously planning a neo because of what that would communicate." And and they they hindered our ability to prepare for this. Then in the midst of it, they were they were not helpful, right? The NSA did not take this seriously. And you're reading that, going, "Wow, General Sullivan, you know you you did that. I mean, you spoke the truth, right? And the, the American people need to hear it. But you you will pay a price for that at some point." Yeah, you know, and also keep remember also I remember when General Newbold was uh, when he resigned before the the wars. Uh, that he, if one remembers the the sniping and the criticism of him, it wasn't criticism, uh, it was just petulant attacks on him by administration people. Right. Uh, that, because I remember, and one thing I remember is that um, he had used the word eviscerate. And some, it was some civilian and DOD somewhere said, well, I didn't know Marines knew that word. And it was, I say, it was that petty. You know, by these people, and look at the butcher's bill that they've, you know, started. None of whose relatives are on it, of course. Uh, but uh, I said, remember how he was treated. And you know, I re- I would encourage anyone to read what he wrote, and you know, and you know, say consider the tone that he took in it. And it's you know, I think it's accurate and it's constructive. Uh, and I thought he did very well. I actually went back and read some other, couple other things he wrote around 2006 and. And once again, it comes across, I think, like a, a thoughtful, guy, thoughtful uh, person who's, um, you know, seen something he didn't think was right, and he had the nerve to, uh, um, what do you call, it? resign. And but it is written; it doesn't have that, you know, waving in your face, you know, that I was right, you all were idiots. Right. You're wrong, the way I would write it. No, e- even um, so let, me, let me tell you, very, even even the dementia thing is the more tactful way mm-hmm. because if McNamara wrote that and I said, <laughs> right. And, and I said, it is their willful, deliberate and willful neglect of the nation's security. And they yeah. do this for their own self aggrandizement. And you can look that up. Most of you listening, right? You'll probably learn something. Um, but anyway, um, people would then take the article and because it would be too inflammatory, they would they would ridicule it, and dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And to me, yeah. he's a, a much more formidable, smarter writer because he doesn't do that, right? He 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 his his stiletto is that he uses throughout, right? Is measured. It's not shrill. It's deliberate. It's steeped in history, and there's there does not seem to be a wasted word in the whole thing in the whole essay. Yes. I don't see it. Yeah, right. it, it's um, yes. I was you know, thinking, boy, I wish I could write like that. Yeah, no kidding. But I'm not really being funny. It, it's just, I think it's very well done. You know, one of the things you've mentioned uh, about the um, failure to plan for the Afghanistan neo um, because it was sending the wrong message. You know, actually, the uh, one of the topics I'm interested, very interested in, 
is the fall of Singapore and back in 1941-42. And the same thing happened is that the, you know, the military you know, wanted to actually prepare defenses, particularly on the northern side of Singapore and even farther up into Malaysia, uh, Malaya, uh, to include, um, you know, uh, what you call it, guerrillas, you know, to hit those 500 mile long Japanese supply line. And they weren't allowed to do it by the the, the governor and the, those people, uh, because it would have sent, uh, it would have been defeatist. It would have sent a message of defeatism uh, to the the locals, and nothing much changes. You know, we always think that because we're the latest generation, we're smarter than everyone else, and you have these people making the exact same mistakes. Uh, and boy, it's I don't know, hubris or uh, dementia. Maybe that's what it is, you know, I don't. Well, I think that's a very polite way of, you know, telling, saying that they have serious problems. And and, yeah. and I think if um, if General Newbold was on, um, and I asked him, and I said that to him, I don't think he would disagree with me. But I think there's a way when you're trying to make other great points that you, you don't uh, unnecessarily get the gas can out. Uh, well, when, yeah. Right. And yeah. You know, who, who is, you know, if you, you know, even if you're wrong and someone calls you an idiot, um, you're not going to, after they've called you an idiot, nothing else is going to have any effect. Right. Um, no, unless, no, unless you can absolutely. march them off in irons and you're just yelling at them <laughs> before you imprison them or whatever, send them to Philly. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, and again, um, you know, the, um, and then it was interesting that after, you know, this um, the admiral that was at uh, HKI, who was actually in charge of the operation, after, you know, his quotes came out saying that the administration hindered them, and then in talking about the thousands of calls they would get on a daily basis mm -hmm. from people like the president's wife, right, personally requesting somebody, and then uh, be be extracted from the crowd, and then the Pope, you know, calling, and you're watching this going, you've got to be kidding me. In this cacophony of hell at the airport, this is what nobody puts an end to so that they can execute the mission that they were supposed to execute. And you're just, it's head shaking. It's head shaking. So, um, no, I, if you have not read those pieces, I would I would tell you by by all means, uh, read the Washington Post article written by Dan Lamoth. That was the one to break the story. Uh, they evidently got this 2,000 page investigation on a FOIA request. And um, from what I've seen in the article, there is, there is no link to the actual uh, document itself, um, um, but they cite it throughout. And then uh, Newbold, N-E-W-B-O-L-D, just as it sounds, um, you'll, go, you'll find that. And it's a, just an outstanding piece originally published in, um, in Task and Purpose. Grant, you, you published a piece. I'm still waiting patiently or not so patiently now um, on your predictions for the year, but you seem to be still laboring mightily with that. Uh, you wrote a piece, though, um, defending Taiwan. Hardware alone isn't enough. Um, give us a synopsis, right? What were you... Uh, it's, it appears in the, the Epic Times. Grant appears there often. So uh, what are... What, do you, what, what are you saying, Nusham? Um, I'm sort of stating the obvious, uh, which is sort of my... So, always, my hey, always, always a safe place. <laughs> that's my purpose in life. Is to, uh, uh, and what I point out is that, that there's no sort of silver bullets or magic weapons that Taiwan can buy that are going to defend and protect it. Uh, and, but you listen to much of the commentary on defending Taiwan, and so much of it is about buy this or buy that, don't buy this, don't buy that. And you hear it all the time uh, from everybody. And, you know, I've even in Taiwan, you've, I've even seen American, you know, former officials and academics and military types and experts, and they all come in and they're, they're like a bunch of Neils or like Karens or male Karens. <laughs> um, and they're, they're telling the Taiwan Taiwanese, you know, you got to, you know, you do have an asymmetric defense you oh. know, buy missiles and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you better not buy these F-16s. 
we don't think you should have them. And I've even heard that from the Trump administration people, some of them, unfortunately, in the wrong positions. Um, and the, the Taiwanese just um, smile at them and, you know, who are the, the, the politest people on earth. But it's, there's this idea that if you buy the or don't buy certain things or don't buy certain things, uh, you will you're you're fine. You know, and that's just getting the right mix of asymmetric weapons, um, you know, missiles, mines, UAVs, etc. And if you do that in the right numbers, well, you're you're sitting pretty. And what I point out is that this this is only this is like one piece of a ten piece puzzle when it comes to defending a country, and that just as important if, is the the need to, um, well maybe have a motivated military that's properly manned and funded and respected, uh, which the Taiwanese military is not. Um, maybe adopt some uh, different operating concepts. And what you find in Taiwan is that you have these older generals who run the show now, and they're all thinking in about like 1984 American military. And you have these younger officers who now say that, look, we can't do this this way. We're going to get clobbered. But because it's a Confucian system, they won't or can't say anything. So you have operating concepts. You have to make sure that the military is a respected can you, profession with can high you, morale. Can you explain what a Confucian system is? Um, they actually respect older people by virtue because they're old. Uh, that's oh, sort so of it, what it would stand in stark contrast to Western culture. Yeah, you know how we think anybody who you know is around talking about Jeb Stewart riding around McLennan. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a, yeah 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 we just say losing. we just say they're old we don't say they're learned right yeah, yeah. but you know we yeah we, and you know you look at us where you have like former officials and they're really not they they get less important the longer they're away from active duty in the that system the the age thing really does matter plus they their ages uh, can be uh, equated to intelligence and wisdom and that's sort of the reason why you you're even more restrained and uh, taking somebody on, uh, or criticize, you know, even not just even suggesting they that there's another way to do things. So, and the they also that one of the aspects of this that um, that comes up very much with the Japanese is that they they like to have people tell them what to do, particularly if it comes from an expert, and they. But so they would prefer to have like somebody sensible say, this is what you have to do, this, 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 and this. And then they'll take it in and do what they think is the right approach. Um, and the Americans never do that with the Japanese uh, because we don't want to be overbearing, etc., uh, which is a huge mistake. But back to Taiwan, um, that, you know, I've heard this from younger Taiwanese officers who really understand that they need a, say, an operating concept it's like sort of the Swiss with Hezbollah mixed in and not something that is like um, CACs at 29 Palms in 1984. Uh, and that's so that's part of the issue as well. And then there's the whole thing about Chinese political warfare and subversion in Taiwan, uh, which is as serious a threat as the Taiwan is the Chinese military. Uh, the time, the Chinese nearly got their guy elected president in 2020. Right. I mean, lit literally an agent, a Chinese frontman agent, call it what you want. He was a serious candidate right up to the end. And if the Chinese had not squashed Hong Kong and scared the, the daylights out of the Taiwanese public, I think he had a good shot at winning. So, you know, and the, this political warfare, the subversion continues. So I say you have to pay attention to this. Uh, as well. And additionally, you know, if there's uh, Taiwan would do very nicely to have a free trade agreement with the Americans, you know, to bolster their economy, to improve it, because uh, it's um, it needs help. Uh, and that should be a line of effort. And I point out that on the American side, the Trump administration refused to move ahead with an F a free trade agreement with Taiwan, because they didn't have the bandwidth, because they were busy with China. And I point out that, well, since they're civil servants, they presumably don't know the word uh, working overtime. And but so I say that these are some other things that need to be looked at when considering Taiwan's defense. And it's all pretty obvious, but it's surprising just how seldom those other things 
get paid attention to. And that's what I was pointing out. So, um, you know, I was telling people how to suck eggs, I suppose. But <laughs> no, you know, I was. What but, is what is the a Galapagos military mean? What is that little reference that you, you wheeled out in the article? Well, everybody knows that. Um, well, maybe I should have explained it. But, it, but uh, uh, what would it be? You know, how, um, you know, in the Galapagos Islands, it's been isolated from, uh, you know, like anywhere else. So that the animals have all developed or not developed like you would if you never interacted with anyone. And so you have these species that aren't found anywhere. And they are not, so with a military, if you never have, oh, you know, say, say you're, um, nobody will train with you. The Americans will never do an exercise with you. They, they, you can't do joint training. You have no exposure to anybody except yourself, that you are not going to develop into a modern, fully competent fighting force. Be like a sports team that only plays intra-squad games. And they're not going, you know, you can see the problem there. And that's what the Taiwan, the Taiwan military is. And, and that's because after 1979, the Americans cut them off. And because we're afraid of China, uh, we have refused to do joint exercises with them, except for two tiny examples involving the U.S. Marines, oddly enough. But that's it. So what the Taiwan military has been doing is playing intra-squad games the whole time. And that has really hurt their uh, sort of their capabilities. Uh, and, you know, th also think of the psychological effect of, you know, you're facing off against an incredibly powerful enemy, say the modern day Mongols, and you feel like you don't have any friends. You feel like nobody wants to be seen with you. Uh, it has an effect on the military. It has an effect on Taiwanese civilians. And this is something else that's easy to address is you just have to, you know, steal yourself and say, okay, Taiwan, you're a friend of ours. Uh, we're the United States of America, and we're going to deal with whoever we want. And so let's start doing some real joint uh, training. Let's really, in, you know, engage or interact with you. And we're going to treat you like friends. And that is, hasn't been done. Thanks for pointing that out, because it was a key point of the article. Uh, so you've got those things. And if you don't address those, you can buy all of the hardware you want and the defense contractors in America will love it. Uh, but you won't be able to uh, deter anybody and you probably won't be able to win a war. So, I, I, that, as, as somebody who does interviews, it's called the sixth step in troop leading uh, applied to an interview and that is supervision. You have to make oh, well, sure that the author doesn't fuck it up. Well, I thought supervising meant you stood with your hands crossed or your arms crossed and uh, nodded, let, nodded let smartly, the, and yeah, and let the staff sergeants do everything. No, which is it's, it's, my mo is uh, right. No, it's it's making it's just keeping a a a, a jaundiced eye on those staff sergeants, making sure that their criminal activities are between the left and right lateral limit. That's generally between the left and right lateral limit. We expect them and they should stray outside the limits on when it's appropriate, but nobody, none of us need to go to jail for their creativity. So it's, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's another, uh, you, you, you talked about uh, secretary Blinken uh, headline. Uh, this is Reuters. Uh, with Blinken in the Pacific, Marshall Islands say talks on U.S. military access are stalled. So what is Mr. Blinken doing? And and so I'm reading this um, about the COFA agreement there, blah, blah, blah. A senior official of the Biden administration told Reuters last week it plans to launch a new Pacific Island initiative with allies and partners and to finalize COFA negotiations with the Marshall Islands, the Federated States of Micronesia and Palau, but gave no time frame for that. Um, I read that and I was like, holy shit, right? Holy shit, that's big, big, big news. Now that story uh, was written 10 days ago. Um, but the president announced on February 2nd that uh, he's going to Asia in the spring uh, and it'll be his first trip to the region as president of the United States. Interestingly enough, over a year into his, his administration. Um, 
And um, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to read if um, he will visit Japan to attend the Summit of the Quad. That is, for those of you who don't know, who have not paid attention to Grant recently, that is Japan, the United States, Australia, and India. So he's going to Japan. And then I'm trying to see if uh, where else. Do you know where else he's going, Grant? Oh, I don't know. He will make several other stops on the trip, but officials declined to elaborate on exactly where he's going. So to me, those are the things that we've been talking about, right? Um, An initiative in the Pacific in conjunction with our allies and partners, right? The G7 having four times the amount of GDP that China has. And to to use the power, right, um, use the all the elements of national power, right, in this war as opposed to simply saying military. And so um, have you read these things? Do you have any thoughts on them? Do you believe them? Well, I will if they happen. Uh, the, the quad, excuse me, the announcement about COFA, and I don't recall if we talked about that before, but we must have. Um, but that's potentially a big deal if it gets done. And if it doesn't get done, I would say within six months, uh, heads ought to roll. Uh, three months would be even better. Uh, and what those are is it's the providing, you know, it's an ag- agreement with Marshall Islands, Micronesia, and Palau uh, to provide financial assistance for the, uh, for the future um, and to keep them on side and to keep them on our side. And as I'd noted, I think earlier, that every one of these presidents in those countries has got a blank check uh, from the Chinese on their desk and they have refused to sign it so far. Uh, the fact that the Americans have specifically said this is a priority, we're going to reach a deal. That is a, it's an important thing. I think the reason they're doing that is because they are on the verge of being absolutely humiliated, uh, the US is, uh, by having allowed this problem to fester uh, and assigning their, the C team to, to get it done. But there is some, there's been some movement behind the scenes, I think, uh, that you know has you know has that fear of humiliation, which is sometimes a great motivator, sort of in the U.S. bureaucracy and in our ruling class. Um, but it's a good thing if they go ahead and do it. Uh, so that that um, you know part of the reason Secretary Blinken came out was to um, to you know show America is interested and is committed for whatever that word is worth to the Pacific. And they did, he did go out of their way to mention the Pacific Islands, um, which is a, it's a useful thing to do. But now it's show me, let's see what you actually do. Uh, one thing that was interesting that did get announced just that I saw just the other day is that the U.S. State Department has announced they're going to put an embassy in the Solomon Islands. Uh, as we've talked about before, they're finally they're going to do it. The last time they had one was 1993, um, and they say they're doing it out of fear that the Chinese will establish themselves in the Solomon Islands. Uh, the, that the tense is wrong there because the Chinese have well established themselves in the Solomon Islands starting at least 30 years ago. But better late than never. So that's so I say that's a good sign, and let's see how they move. But with all of these things, what you have to do is wait six months and keep score right. and see what has actually happened, what's been done. Uh, after, the, after the it, big outgoing press conference when we announced all these agreements, what actually happens? Do you know, do you know Democratic representative, I'm not sure where she's from, but Katie Porter? Um, she is seems to be a player uh, in, uh, in, at least very interested in uh, Indo, in, in, the, in the Pacific. Um, and she said, um, is it her reporter that her Campbell said, um, I think Campbell's, a, let's see, Kurt Campbell, he is Biden's Indo-Pacific coordinator, mm-hmm. right? And, and, yeah. um, so representative Porter wrote to him calling for an appointment of a full-time presidential representative to manage COFA negotiations in the Pacific. And um, Campbell warned last month 
of a strategic surprise in the Pacific, apparently referring to possible Chinese ambitions to establish Pacific Island bases. He said the United States has not done enough to help the region, and there was a very short amount of time working with partners like Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and fellow Pacific power France, what, to step up our game across the board. So um, you're at least starting to see articles um, and comments from people in the administration acknowledging the things. But I, again, Grant, it's just puzzling to me, you know, I mean, w- why this has been neglected so mightily by both the Trump administration, by, by all administrations, not watching. Did you not want to confront the Chinese economically and using all the elements of national power? Did, was this just another part of the let's look the other way and maybe it'll work out okay routine? It's just it's stupid. Well, that's what it was for ever. Um, that's where the expression benign neglect actually came from. Really? It was used to characterize how the uh, the Americans have handled the Central, the central Pacific. Um, the, but I would note, and this is important, is that the Trump administration did, like they did with so many things uh, in Asia, got it right. And they, they tried. And I'd point out that they, for the first time ever, they, had a, they appointed somebody at the National Security Council to handle Oceania, which is what you call all of those Pacific islands. And it was a guy named Alex Gray who was excellent and was really did some good work. Uh, remember, they also had, I think it was uh, Secretary of State Pompeo, go by, stop off in uh, Micronesia and invite the other leaders to, to meet him while he was there. Uh, they invited the, the leaders of those three nations, the Kofa states, to visit the White House and meet uh, President Trump. Uh, they also got Palau to invite the Americans to set up a, a military base there. The fact we haven't moved on it very well is another problem. That's something else. But the Trump administration did pay attention. I so I'm just pointing that out because it it shows what's doable. And they you do have to have the right kind of people but they, who can but, get stuff But the done. Trump administration didn't close a deal in the Pacific. Oh, well, that, uh, that base on uh, Palau, that's a big deal. Okay. They, right. The Palauans said, please come and come tomorrow. It's the Yankees who haven't uh, moved on that uh, with alacrity. But Whoa. they, you're, you're Whoa, right. Oh, how about that? They did alacritariously. There, there you go. You rubes, so you rubes can the, look that one up too. Yeah, you probably won't the, even find it. Yeah, I think it's the adjective. Starts with, an, starts with an A, not an E. Yeah. Uh, but they, you're right, though. They didn't get the COFA deals done. And they could have. Or, or, or again, my biggest criticism isn't the COPA deal because, you know, to me, those aren't hard deals. I mean, they've been in place, you know, find out what, what do you want, right, um, you know, and, and then give it to them. Um, next, I mean, but, but what we're talking about is we shit-canned Trans-Pacific Partnership, okay, and then we negotiated nothing. Oh, well, that you, yeah, that's um, uh, it's you're right. It's um, yeah. I, so I that, say, that's but, that's my yeah. problem well, with uh, the Trump I'm, with the Trump yeah. administration. Mm-hmm. He was the first one ever to to stick the American chin out to the Chinese, and as you say, stand up on our on on our hind legs. But that but but the other thing that he should have done never gets done. In you know, I mean, it didn't even get. There wasn't even negotiations. There wasn't even something named. So if you want bilateral you know, agreements, then fucking negotiate them. But none of that got done. And it's just, you know, it's just head scratching, much like our lack of response to the events in Tonga. Like who who thinks that's a good idea when we talk about national power, us squaring off against the Chinese, the rules-based order hanging in the, in, in the breach of all of this, and, and what are we actually going to do? And so what do we take counsel of? The Wall Street shitheads that say, well, you're really going to impact our earnings, and 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 that's not going to be good, yeah. you know. So well, we do. We really want to slow your roll on that. Yeah, yeah. But with the Kofa thing, you know, so they they're, you know, there's. I'm pointing out the that they they didn't get that done, but they did pay attention to the the middle of the map is how I would put it the the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But like you say, this should be easy. It's like Gary at La Habra Dodge. Uh, What's it going to cost me to put you into this whatever, the 68 caddy? Did you say La Habra Dodge? Gary at La Habra Dodge, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, where else would you go if you were buying a Where car? the fuck did that come from? 
<laughs> well, I used to be a Los Angelino. Did you? What part of the city did you live in? Oh, I went to UCLA for a few years. You did? But I was an imposter. I was never a, a Southern California. Yeah, we would never embrace you and your penny, in, <laughs> no. in your topsiders and your khakis. We'd yeah, like, that, what is that all about? That sweater sort of tied around my shoulders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no wonder I kept getting beaten up. Exactly. That's why I didn't like it much. Right, but the, uh, right. But no, I, I just I drove. I just drove through it, Los Angeles yesterday. Went up to uh, the Calabasas area to meet with oh, a Marine, and, yeah. uh, and that is a basic fucking nightmare, man. You, you, I left my house at one. I got there at about three forty-five, and it's only about sixty-seven miles. Yeah, it oh, is. is a, it is a crapshoot the entire way, especially going over the Sepulveda Pass, which is a date adjacent to the University of California at Los Angeles. And then coming home is its own wicked, unique adventure. And uh, yeah. yeah. I'm with you, but this was like 40 years ago. So oh, it was, well, it was, so it was well, and it was just as bad 40 years ago. That's the worst uh, part about it. it yeah, no, it's, but uh, so you didn't have time to stop off at the Justice Brothers to- No, uh, I like, did not. Pick up a wiring harness? No. No, I did not. Words, no, words, La, Habra Do, La Habra Dodge, though. Wow. <laughs> no, you you had to live. If you lived there in Southern California, like turned on a TV for more than like 10 minutes, you'd have probably seen three La Habra Dodge kernels, commercials. But, uh, so, but that's to get those deals signed. If you, you know, truly want to see embarrassing cultural moments in the United States, watch car commercials oh, cal yeah. worthington boy i haven't thought of him for right, right. Ever? and if you if you but if you do want to watch a great movie have you ever seen the movie used cars with kurt russell in it no, no oh my god grant if you want to watch a funny movie watch that that is absolutely hilarious absolutely hilarious it's about used cars so it's obviously something meant for you um because of your affection for those things um and uh it's funny it's really, really funny. It's it's literally laugh out loud funny. So there you go. And so and now people are going to watch it and they're going to they're going to they're going to email me and say that's the stupidest movie I've ever seen. You're an idiot. I'm like, okay, so be nah, it. Nah, so be it. What what's nah. your what's your point? Yeah, you'll be playing the Vladimir Putin sort of, yeah. Nah, I don't know. So. Now, Grant, I've been asked to ask you. I I have my 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 friends on. I call them the Mensa brothers. Oh goodness. Yeah, yeah. They must be smart. Yeah. No, they're not. It's a little bit of satire. They don't know that though, so don't tell them. <laughs> okay. They're like, oh, the Mensa brothers. That's good. I said, yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, the the great the great. The beauty of satire, right? Among those who don't realize it. But anyway, um, I was asked, like, I, I always end that with, um, uh, tell me, you know, what you're reading. So, I, I mean, I'll ask you, um, have you read a good article that you would recommend or a good book recently that you would recommend? Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm reading a book about the Fredericksburg campaign, which uh, by a fellow named Stackpole but not the the general, which is excellent. But but you've really got that's you really got to have like nothing much else to do to read those. Kind so of books. you're reading about the Fredericksburg campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, are you uh, are you a Civil War guy? Well, yeah, hey, everybody is. Um, <laughs> you know, it's um, when the Yankees came and occupied. You know, oh Virginia. In the, no, in, the, I, I'm in the war of northern aggression. <laughs> I'm joking, but the uh, yeah, well, everybody's interested in that. You know, I think you you the, have to. The Fredericksburg campaign, written by General Edward J. Stackpole. Yeah, so I, that's one thing I'm reading. But the, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I I probably ten times a day I will come across some article that I feel like I must read. You know, to sort of stay up on Asia Pacific uh, things, and you know that's it's. You know, I hate to admit it, but there's so much good stuff that gets written. Well, I don't know. There's probably a thousand things written a day, but there's always you know something. Oh man, you know, I, I don't want to take the time to read it, but I feel like I, uh, I must. Prob probably should. Well, now and, that you've uh, been tagged, right? Uh, now that you've been tagged an expert and you've been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, I mean, I think that is incumbent upon you 
Yes, I'm allowed, you know, it's, uh, you know, have a, yeah, I suppose I have to, us, we have standards to keep up, uh, but the, uh, or at least, hey, or at least a facade. Oh yeah, that's the, that, believe me, that's the, uh, <laughs> or at least the, to keep the cow, the, the house uh, of cards piled up appropriately. Yeah, it's the, what is it? Vinyl siding on the, uh, there you go. On the row house in Newark. Exactly. But the, uh, that's kind of what it is. But with, the, um, with your Dodge in the carport, right? Yeah. From, from La Habra Dodge. Uh-huh. And well, purchased from Gary over there because you saw yeah. him on the commercial. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what it takes. But there, I saw something just the other day, um, something called Jamestown Foundation, which writes some pretty good stuff on, say, they had the one I saw was on Taiwan. But they write some good things on the Chinese military uh, that is usually the worth. The Jamestown Foundation? Mm-hmm. They're actually very, you know, very good. It's one of those things, you know, if you want to kind of get up to, I wouldn't say up to speed, but to, to know more than you otherwise would right. about Asian defense, particularly where it involves Chinese, um, you know, they're worth taking a look at. You know, that's It's a good source of or compilation of things. Um, and they have something called the China Brief, uh, which often, often has some very good things. You, you want to sort of pick your spots because otherwise you're, um, you, you're going to... Uh, you just go nuts. There's too much. Um, and But they had something just recently. It was um, about China's shifting approach to U.S.-Taiwan relations. And they say their commentary is, is often very, very good. And that's one that, you know, of all of this stuff that's out there, that's something that, that is always worth it. Uh, is this it? All necessary measures, China's shifting approach to U.S.-Taiwan relations. Written mm-hmm. by John S. Van Orenen. Odenen, I wouldn't. And then he can tell us how you properly say it. But he had that, yeah, that particular one, I think I had actually printed that one out because it's, it's. Oh, is that how we know you're serious about when you actually print it out? Is that when we know you're serious about that? Uh-huh. Yeah, because I can't read on the screen. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that was actually a pretty good one. You know, and I followed the topic. So there was things that I, I learned there. I always learn something, it seems, and unless I'm reading like uh, from CNN or here's a, here's a headline. from the State Department. Yeah. Here's a headline. Macron's Ukraine diplomacy runs into a Kremlin wall. <laughs> so they have good headline writers, I would say that. Um did it actually run into a wall? Is that what happened? Is it, I mean, not so much happened. I think Vladimir Putin used him for a little bit of a media event, and that was it. But, uh, oh, it'd be like going if Macron, Macron if Macron. he went to whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if he, uh, it'd be like taking on Putin in judo. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> you know, no. Yeah, have at it. And, uh, you know, Mr. Putin would sort of. Oh, he have, 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 have his way with him for the oh, goodness, yeah. for the glory of the Rodina. I think that's what what happened. Yeah. So, wow. Well, well. Yeah. All right, Grant. Well, first of all, thank you very much for uh, for uh, waxing eloquent with us uh, on everything from the Civil War to uh, to uh, the president's trip, upcoming trip, uh, and we'll find out more about it as they uh, start putting stops on there. But. Uh, but the president needs to get to the Pacific, and the United States and its allies need to get engaged with the nations in the Pacific, or as you appropriately point out, the first island chain will be a thing of the past because they will be they will be in residence <laughs> behind you already. Yeah, you like so. defending the Jersey Shore, and then the uh, bad guys have all set up in Indiana. Yeah, they're they're, uh, they're conducting yeah. bridging operations in Missouri. Okay, <laughs> that's that's not something you want to hear on the news, right? No. So anyway, yeah. all right, Grant, thank you so much. Sure, pleasure. I always enjoy it. There you have it. Okay, out here. The one and only Grant Newsham. Yeah, appearing here on All Marine Radio. Grant's funny. My favorite Grant Newsham term, cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> that is my all-time favorite Grant Newsham term. 
So again, uh, my thanks to Grant for for coming on, and um, that'll do it for today. My name is Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. If I can help you or somebody that needs help, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'd be happy to do that. Until tomorrow, when the Mensa Brothers will make a special appearance on a Tuesday. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Have a great day. I am out.